Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love seeing our boys get paid and hate that we only won nine games with all these NFL players, this is the place for you. The Loyal Suns Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Section 5. Fellas, NFL Draft Weekend is over. It was fun. There was all the cliches, stereotypes, sob stories, everything we expected and more. It was a great weekend. Great weekend for the Pittsburgh Steelers and for the Pitt Panthers. And give me your thoughts. Everything you got. Unload them on me. I mean, for starters, this was, uh, you know, this year was tied for the most Pitt Panthers taken in a draft since the draft dropped down to nine rounds, seven rounds. There are seven rounds in the NFL draft uh, and six Panthers. I don't really like football Um, and six Panthers taken. So it was, it was by all accounts, a a great day for the program and, and really a, you know, a credit to what Narduzzi has been doing as far as developing talent. That's the storyline. Print it. Yeah. They literally need to print it and put it on every inch of the facility. So all these recruits can come in and, like, hey, if I'm going to the league, better go here and not some school where I uh, have kind of get wasted. Yeah. yeah, not in terms of like alcohol consumption, but their their talent. I mean, also their perhaps. I mean, if you're going to the SEC, you know what you're in for. Yeah, like half the ACC. I forget the numbers I was looking at, but a few of these schools have only had like one guy draft in the last couple of years. Pitt had a stretch like that back in I want to say. 13 14 where we had we went two years without having a guy drafted and that just doesn't even seem possible now with what pat narduzzi's done and the talent coming in year after year i mean i think every year we look at the defense and we're like i mean there's at least three or four of these guys who are playing on sundays eventually so uh, yeah definitely an awesome weekend kicked off on thursday night with kalaja kansi going to the tampa bay buccaneers at number 19 he beat out kenny pickett for the highest drafted member of that 2021 ACC championship team. So what were you, what were you guys reactions there? Is that around where we thought he was going to go? I know he had been mocked anywhere as high as maybe six um, all the way to the bottom of the first round, but it felt like 19 felt right. Yeah. 19 definitely felt good. Um, and it's sweet because he, he is a Fort Lauderdale kid and he gets to stay in the the state of Florida. So I'm, I'm pretty happy for him. Um, the Bucks are probably going to suck for a little bit because Tom Brady kind of sold them up the river uh, by retiring without them having a plan in place at quarterback. Uh, but that doesn't really impact him. Those That Buccaneers defense is very good, um, and it still satisfies my requirement that I posed last week of the physical comedy of putting him next to one of the fattest humans on the planet. Uh, he will be lined up next to Vita Vea, who's incredible, and about 360 pounds. So that's that's going to be very funny to watch. I, I'm going to tune into a lot more of their games just for that. Yeah, I'm very excited to see the Kalaja Kansi highlights. Uh, very early uh, seems like it's a good spot for him to play right away and hopefully just become a staple in that defense for years to come the only thing that pissed me off was the fan reaction there was oh like a God. tampa bay bar mm-hmm. and the fans reacting and everyone's like who who's that who like 
first off, I want to know who they expected to draft at that point where half the people in there wouldn't have been like, I have no clue who this guy is. Um, but also, it's just like you could just tell the the faces of those the people in that bar, like just casuals, absolute casuals. They definitely only watch Miami and Florida State. Yeah, I mean, I was I was big mad online when I saw that video. But in the past 24 hours, 48 hours, I've taken a step back and realized like not every fan just sits on ESPN's main page and refreshes it until a new mock draft pops up. Um, and let's let's be honest, I don't necessarily mean this as an insult, but most Tampa Bay fans only jumped on the bandwagon when Tom Brady, you know, joined the team. Like this is not a storied fan base right. in any stretch of the imagination. So um, the fact that they don't, these guys who've only been cognizant of really football for three or four years don't know who Kalijah Cansey, the uh, defensive tackle out of the University of Pittsburgh is. It doesn't bother me. It bothered me really bad on Friday night, but it doesn't, I don't think it really bothers me now. And the first thing they showed in the highlight package was a comparison to Aaron Donald in that play where he bulldozed a guard and the running back and got a sack. So after that, it's just turn those frowns upside down real quick. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna find the fuck out real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see any situation which he doesn't just step in and immediately make an impact. He just is too good, too technically sound. I think some of the coolest stuff coming out from the draft is like just seeing non pit people talk about some of these guys like like the scouts coming up to like talk about like wow i've got to dive into cancy's tape and this guy is unbelievable how am I, how have i not heard more about him um but another they thing didn't, was because they didn't spend the last three years playing watch collage cancy game right as we have so but i, I also thought it was really cool uh partridge charlie partridge's breakdown of cancy basically said you know he knows what all 22 guys on the field are doing why they're doing it he it's he's not just the guy who's like yeah, I'm going a gap. I'm going B gap. Like he can break down every single piece of every position basically. And John Morgan did that when, when we did the D line for dummies breakdown with him, basically said like, he's the smartest guy on our defense. He's, he's a football savant. So uh, he's, those are the type of guys I feel like obviously the, it starts with your freak athleticism and your just overall natural raw talent but when when you're a student of the game like that that just kind of puts you at another level yeah i gotta say though i'm i'm a little bit surprised at the destination um i think he's gonna succeed wherever he would have ended up but tampa bay had like a lot of needs on offense they do not currently have a quarterback that can play football at anything resembling a high level their offensive line is bad are they riding with baker I think they might be riding with Baker Mayfield unless Kyle Trask takes the job from him. But also, they run a 3-4 defense, and I kind of thought, and maybe I'm dumb, but I kind of thought Kansi's whole thing was like he needed to be in a 4-3. I'm not even going to pretend. like I I mean, I I know how they line up, but I'm I'm regurgitating (laughs) articles I've read on, like, the athletics. So, like, grain of salt, but, like, a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. But like we said, I think there's no doubt in any of our minds that he's going to step in and be a day one impact guy. And absolutely, I mean, you don't take a guy at 19 and not expect him to play for you from day one. So hopefully step in as a starter and make a real impact right away at Tampa. Um, but 
that was all that was all the action on night one for us and then no real action on day two for the panthers but then the next guy picked was carter warren for the new york jets and then mm-hmm. they followed that up with izzy about 20 23 picks later so new york got a little bit of a pit a taste of pit up there and then they also picked up deslin alexander as a free agent i believe they still have jordan whitehead whitehead's still there i refuse to root for the jets but i mean when you start stacking up panthers it kind of becomes uh you know like like i have to be at least a little bit invested in you especially because carter warren is from new jersey Izzy is from Brooklyn, so both of those guys more or less got to stay home, which is cool. Um, the Jets really needed help on the offensive line. Like their their line has kind of sucked as of recent, and I know there there was like a huge impetus on shoring it up as they brought in Aaron Rodgers. And I actually saw some people complain not about Carter Warren specifically, but just about like why did we wait until the fourth to get a offensive tackle i mean this guy's probably going to be good but in two years and that's the thing is he's there are a couple things that they say he needs to work on and he will be a starter just not off the bat yeah unless he Uh, does in which case he will and Mm -hmm. he'll be great he's he's a pit man so he'll probably be good but yeah i think that was a big pickup i think honestly maybe could have ended up getting drafted higher if he didn't have the injury issues this past season missed a good bit of this past season but Mm -hmm. Um, awesome Panther was was a team captain was a guy who I mean really was just in that 2021 season was just a solid left tackle never really heard his name called which is typically a good thing if you're a left tackle um, so great great pickup I think for the Jets obviously I'm a little biased but the, the other one was Izzy going to the Jets and which is cool but also at the same time it's like Brees Hall's there so I, I do wonder what I mean I know teams go running back by committee a lot but i'm a little concerned that he gets he gets buried because Brees hall's Brees hall's the man in new york well not just Brees hall but they also have michael carter who they spent a third on two years ago out of uh north carolina but the thing there is Brees hall tore his shit last year so he might be slow to come back and michael carter kind of looked like ass uh filling in for him so yeah i mean he's a nc guy so yeah don't do that. Um, so yeah, you're right. That kind of sucks. I was really hoping I would have hated for him to end up on the Bengals, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but for like Steeler that fan is reasons. Yeah. Yeah. For Steeler fan reasons. Um, but he probably could have had that starting job like pretty soon. Like I, I think I, I thought that they were on the outs with Mixon and I was kind of hoping he'd end up in that kind of situation where an older running back was getting pushed out because they kept getting arrested um, or, you know, kind of a muddled room where he could take over, but he does end up in a place that does kind of have a set starter, but he is going to have an opportunity right off the bat to show what he can do. I think. Yeah, I saw some people mentioning that he can also help in the return game, which is cool. But, like, Izzy's more than a kick returner. And, I mean, he's ideally your running back one. But we'll see how it works out. Like like you said, Brees Hall is coming off an injury. Don't know how he'll rehab and respond. Um, and Izzy, like, I, just like we said with Kalajic Hansley, like, I just don't see him not 
being a stud in the NFL. There's too much raw physical talent. The speed is insane. Um, so I, I'm he, sure there will be some home runs. And he's like so young and the his underutilization by Mark Whipple kind of ended up being a good thing for him in the long run because uh, I, I saw a lot of people pointing to like he does not have a lot of you know tread worn off his tires yeah yeah so that's a big pickup there I immediately had a friend text me a, a Jets fan friend text me about Carter Warren and Izzy and he was like basically like yeah offensive lineman like don't really know what to do there but this this izzy guy's highlights are sick so i'm like yeah he's sick it gets to a point in the draft where everyone's highlights are basically the same it's like oh this receiver just ran a post route and was open and caught it it's like they're all about the same speed about the same size there's not many like absolute like one-of-one freaks that are burners or or mossing everybody but i think at that point in the draft there are not players with highlights as impressive as Izzy. So uh, having a guy like that would excite a fan base. I know we talk about it the last couple shows. Yeah. Whenever I see that breakaway speed, I would be very, very excited. Yeah. I mean, we, we posted that video from his touchdown against Tennessee that, uh, that Bean Brandon Chamora, the official uh, loyal photographer took from Dico dot bean D I K O dot B E A N on Instagram. Go follow, follow him. His 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 shit is sweet. Um, yeah. The the loyal photographer got that video and we posted. It and it's a sick video and there were like ten Jets fans quote tweeting it, just being like, "What?" <laughs> like, oh, this guy's awesome. Yeah, is he's gonna be a hit there? And it's it's awesome that he gets to stay in New York. Um, just yeah, very cool, very cool moment for him and his family. Um. Oh, also, there was a video, like, a everyone posts the videos of, like, them getting the call from the staff or the coaches, whatever it may be, and there's a video of him talking to the owner, and the owner literally did, like, what every fan does, and he's like, yeah, they just showed me your tape, and I'm, I can't believe we just got you in the fourth round. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm ecstatic that we got you, and it's like, this billionaire owner who is just, like, overseeing everything, and... Sala, Robert Sala just definitely pulled out his phone and was like, watch this. Just threw on his threw on Izzy running for 20 touchdowns. So um very cool. Very cool moment. Glad he mm. got picked up. And then the next guy to go, which I feel like was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I was hoping he could go early, but Servase Dennis went in the fifth round, picked number 153 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another team who doubled up on Panthers. Yeah, that... First of all, he went about two rounds before I think a lot of us thought we did, which is sweet. Right. Great for him. Um, I was really hoping the Steelers would get him, though. Like, the the need, the value, the position, um, the circumstances, I thought it was all going to – the stars were going to align on this one. But this might be the best possible landing spot for him because he is he is going to – start behind the best inside linebacking core in the league. He's got Devin White and Levante David in front of him. Uh, They are incredible. And the thing about uh, Servasia Dennis is he is brilliant. His cognitive testing was off the charts. And the specific that like C2 or G2 
testing that they've started to replace the Wonderlick with. Um, the whole point of it is your ability to receive information, absorb information, and then use information. And he ranked in like the 99th percentile. So he's going to be learning from like two of the top five inside linebackers in the league at the same time and just absorbing all of that while probably putting some really good weight on. Um, and, you know, Levante David doesn't have much longer left on his contract. So Sarasier Dennis, like pencil him in as a starter and a game disruptor in three years, two years, I am calling it. Yeah, I, I think it's a great landing spot. Like you said, let him learn behind couple of those really good inside linebackers and uh, Servase Leviticus Dennis from the University of Pittsburgh Christ. Is, is is not going to fail. I mean, like like you said, he's just too smart. He's I mean, he tested obviously he tested the cognitive off the charts, but like his physical testing was insane, too. He's a little undersized. Yeah. That's like the, the there's one knock. He's a little undersized, but his physical testing's off the chart. Um, super literally productive. just eat. Yeah, super productive. Yeah, eat a little bit, throw, put some pounds on. Uh, but super productive in college, super smart by all accounts, like loved by everyone he interacts with. So yeah, I think I think he'll do all right down in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I um, it's at a certain point I was like, yeah the the Bucks are definitely going to get Brandon Hill so they can recreate that seven eight nine bit down the middle of the field. Yeah, that would have been sweet, but I, I think it's awesome that they're going to get to play together again. Um, you know, they they've uh, they've both talked about like the way they play together and how they feed off of each other, and that's going to be sweet. Um, but we talking Voss and Cansey here. Yes, Voss yeah. and Cansey. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean they they played incredibly together. Um, and and total total side note, I wish that I could have watched that same group from the viral video of the Bucks fans reacting to Kalijah Kansi when they heard the name Servasier Dennis uh, come out of the TV, that would have been a lot of very confused looks from those weird creatures in Tampa. Hey, if I have any excuse to go down and maybe watch some football in Tampa Bay, a little a quick vacation down to Tampa... Not getting any arguments from me. So give give the arm a twist. Yeah, maybe you'll see me down there. Not going to take an Indian brush brown to get me there. Um, next up, next pick, sixth round. Eric Hallett thought maybe he could get be a late round selection. Thought he might be heading toward undrafted free agency, but he just had such a productive last year at Pitt. I mean, that was just that was a guy who stepped up, performed. Another guy who seemingly just is liked by everyone he's around and. Mm. Tested pretty well at the pro day. Um, didn't get the combine invite, but uh, and that's just the Jacksonville Jaguar, Eric Hallett. It's been maybe a little earlier than I thought he would go. Definitely earlier than I thought he, he would go. I, I didn't think he was going to get drafted. I thought he'd be an undrafted steal, but uh, it was, it was sweet to see his, I think, I think the, uh, the jig is up. The news is out. In terms of uh, pit, pit late pit round backs, pit late round defensive backs, yeah, yeah. If you can survive at pit playing a defensive back, you can survive anywhere. I think it's hilarious that it's become well known. Like, yeah, Pat Narduzzi puts his secondary in such a shitty position that all these kids are just battle tested. 
they just keep having to go one-on-one against the best passing attacks in the country. Yeah, once you play four years in Narduzzi's defense, it's like there's nothing the NFL can throw at you that you haven't already seen. It's kind of like back in the Big East basketball days, those pit teams that were so good with like Carl Krauser and Brandon Knight and Vance Fields, that whole era, they would say that their practices were more physical than games. They would just beat the shit out of each other in practices. So when the games came around, it was was a walk in the park. They knew the drill. I feel like that's – I'm exaggerating here, but (laughs) it's how I imagine these pit defensive backs going to the NFL feel. It's like, oh – I am responsible for so much less. Like, yeah, these players are better, faster, bigger, stronger, more talented, but my like individual responsibility is probably like so much easier. Yeah. Or even if it's not easier, um, cause I'm sure the NFL has some insanely complex. No, uh, no, no, nothing not compared, compared to what Narduzzi has. Right. No, right. no, but, but honestly just like less of the learning curve because you're just asked to do so much at, at Pitt. Um, as especially in that safety spot that Hallett played in ever, he would defer. I think when we talked to him, he was like, I don't like to say, you know, I play the hardest position. I think every position is the hardest, but when you ask just about any other guy on that defense, they're like, Oh no, Eric has the toughest job on our defense. There's a, there's not really much of an argument around it. Um, so, I mean, DeMar Hamlin played that same role, uh, kind of stepped in and, immediate or second year in the league is a starter for one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, so I, I'm sure, like you said, I, I think teams have to look at that to a degree and be like, there's a consistency with these guys who are coming out of that program who play yeah. this position. Um, they're, they're effective. They're, they're starters. Dane Jackson, seventh round pick, DeMar Hamlin, sixth round pick. Uh, Avante Maddox, yes. Damari Mathis. Mathis was starting last year and then got hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mathis was, I mean, one of the top, top, I think a top three corner for the Broncos before he went down. So, um, yeah, Pitt continues to produce just another recruiting tool for Narduzzi and company, uh, especially going after these, these big time DBs. But, and then Pitt had one more selection before we get to the undrafted free agents. And that was seventh round Brandon Hill, who I thought might've slipped a little further. He He's probably the one guy on this list that I thought, could have gone a good bit earlier than he did. Um, didn't have an insanely productive senior or last season, I guess, senior, junior. I can't keep track of anything with the COVID and the red shirts at this point, but it's all made up. Yeah. He had eligibility to come back, uh, but it feels like everyone does. But Brandon Hill, seventh round pick, goes to the Texans, uh, linking up with undrafted free agent Jared Wayne. Um, but those two, those two are going to end up in Houston. Yeah, uh, a depth piece for uh, D'Amico Ryans, who's a very defensive-minded coach. I don't know. I I think Hill has so much potential because he's such an athlete, right? And he plays with so much swagger. Like I, we, squids, squids boy. They make pizza. Squids too. boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he yeah, told me did, that was the plan back before the season started. That's Julie's Pizza. He got asked by one of the workers there. Like, you can go to the NFL after this year, or, or like, what's your year? Can you come back? He's like, I have eligibility, but the plan is to go to the NFL. And I thought it was very possible that he would get drafted and he could leave early. But I thought the more uh, likely scenario was he comes back for another year, uh, gets some more film on tape, and then he gets drafted. So it was cool to see he was able to come out, get picked. I started to worry a little bit that he might fall 
out of the draft, you know, undrafted, but that really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, him going undrafted. So it was only a matter of time longer than maybe should have been. Have, did did you get the chance to uh, congratulate him? Uh, I'm going to wait. I think the guy who he made pizza with for like half an hour is like not high on his list of former teammates, coaches, friends, family. So, I was uh, under the impression you guys were best friends. I mean, we are, but he has a lot of friends, you know. <laughs> He's you guys, my you guys best are friend, but I'm not friends. his best friend. You yeah. guys are such good friends. That it's like you don't even have to send him the courtesy text because he just knows how happy you are for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he appreciates you for that. Yeah. And once his long NFL career is over, we'll probably open up a pizza joint in the future. So it's a good fallback. <laughs> that would be the funniest thing that could possibly happen. That'd be pretty great. You you and Brandon have opened a pizza shop down in Houston together. Um, I, I mean, if I had... can, you know, we we joke uh, about you and Hill being best friends, but um, this this was a banner year for the Loyal Sons. We we interviewed what four guys that were drafted this weekend: Servassier, Brandon Hill, Eric Hallett, and. Um, do we want to talk about Jordan Addison too? He was on my list. He's on my list of guys we want to talk about here. Um, just out of respect for the the undrafted guys, Jared Wayne ends up in Houston. He will make that team. We were just talking about it before we hit record. Like he is the receivers thin, suck. Yeah, that's a thin receiver room. CJ Stroud is going to see from day one. He's going to be like, who is this dude? He's just a soldier. Works hard. Catches everything I throw his way is great uh so he'll make a team there don't yeah don't underestimate like how valuable it is to be in a rookie class with the new franchise quarterback because like how nice was that kenny to pickens and that uh kenny to hayward connection just because they have like extra training together yeah you're showing up the rookie camp together you're eating every meal together taking tours of the city together um yeah, I, I think that's probably a plus for Jared Wayne. And like we said, it's a thin receiver room. He needs to take him golfing, show him how nice he is, become best friends. Exactly. Um, and then we've got Haba Baldonado ends up in with the New York Giants. Kind of a disappointing fall from grace for Haba. Uh, a guy who I think we saw in mock drafts last year. Obviously, those early, early mock drafts, we've, we've decided are garbage that they're bullshit pointless but i mean a guy who we saw in the first round of some of those mocks uh goes undrafted unfortunate but once again like another guy who i think is going to open some eyes in camp just with his physical tools and size those you know year in advance mock drafts they are bullshit but one thing they do illustrate is like this guy has potential to be in the conversation I mean, there's a reason some guys are never even like mentioned as potential third rounder up guys, but some people have that potential and it, it love Haba, but it does kind of feel like he squandered an opportunity. Yeah. And I know injuries played into it, but right. Production is production. hundred percent. And then we have Deslin Alexander ending up with the New York jets already touched on him, but I think he simply might make the team just because everyone's like, this is, the nicest guy we've ever met. <laughs> He's everyone loves him. And if he doesn't, he'll go start some 
nonprofit charity that benefits millions. Uh, so there's a there's a no brainer there. Pick him up as an undrafted guy. Um, and then last one, Gabe Hoy ends up with the Chicago Bears. So uh, that's that's an yeah, that's another one who has an opportunity because they go to like a league worst position group. Right. So a uh, whole bunch of pick guys ending up with teams. Uh, six guys drafted, like we said, tied for most since they went to the seven round version of the NFL draft. Um, and then four guys getting picked up as undrafted free agents, double digit players signing with NFL teams, getting a shot in the NFL next level. And Keaton Slovis somehow only won this team nine games, but we won't even discuss <laughs> that right now. Um, there is an 11th guy who played for the Pitt Panthers who was drafted. Jordan Addison goes to be the number two receiver in Minnesota behind Justin Jefferson. And I, I'm claiming him. I'm claiming him as a pick guy. We I didn't, to... I did not see a lot of USC highlights when they called his name. I wonder why. I mean, we know why. Cause he was better as a pit Panther. Right. And he solidified himself as an NFL prospect as a pit Panther coming in as a three star to pit. Uh, depending on what site you look at, but coming as a three-star, developed that pit, made to be a stud of pit, thrown a bag by USC. Her, misses a lot of the year, but still ends up in the first round because of his days playing with Kenny Pickett. So, I think I'm still I'm still going to root for him. And I think of all of the uh, rookie pass catchers, he is the most set up for success because he is immediately the number two guy in Minnesota and he is playing opposite the best receiver in the NFL. So, I mean, Antonio Brown made Juju Smith Schuster look like a superstar. Imagine what Jordan Addison is going to look like across from Justin Jefferson. He's going to be great. That's exactly what I thought of was AB and Juju Juju having like what? 1500 yards or or 15 touchdowns that one year, whatever his, crazy statistical season just because every every team was trying to do everything in their power to keep a B from killing them. It'll be the same thing with Justin Jefferson. So awesome, awesome place for him to land. And I, I think I'm in the same crew as you now. Like I'm going to, I want to see Jordan Addison be good because then we've come full circle. Yeah. That, that guy who won the Blitnikoff at Pitt won an ACC championship with Pitt. We are like exactly a year away from the day that he left Pitt. Look how far we've come back then. We probably said some not nice things. Probably. Yeah. And not nice. Now we said we're going to root for him and we're going to claim him as our own. So look at us. Props to us. Growth. Or we just want Pitt to look good. Also, yeah, I was going to say also just, just, yeah. yeah. I still feel weary about claiming someone who does not, go from your school to the NFL, but at, at the end of the day, 1,500 yards, a bullet and a cough trophy, and an ACC championship, we at least we at least get a share. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he they're probably going to throw USC in any graphic. He'll probably say USC on Sunday Night Football promos, but we'll know. We'll know. we'll know. We'll know where he became. The only reason where he ended he up at USC is because of Kenny Pickett and the Pitt Panthers. Speaking of Kenny Pickett, um, the the upcoming 
pit players entering the NFL are not the only ones uh, that had a significant stock bump this weekend. Uh, Kenny Pickett got some got some new toys. And I know, I know, listen, no one's coming to us for our Steelers takes. Um, we are a pit podcast, but Kenny Pickett gives us license to talk about the Steelers as much as we want. And I really believe that. Yeah. yeah like if you're, one. if you're a pit grad, grad from Philly, like you are now at least partially a Steelers fan because of Kenny Pickett, you aren't allowed to root against them and be a real pit fan. Yeah. I mean, they got someone to protect his backside. Got him a big freak athlete tight end. Um, I don't know. Are the Steelers going to play full bully ball? I mean, Kenny put on, what, 15 pounds this offseason? 13, 15 pounds. So we're about, we're about to get some QB powers, like a la Tim, Te- <laughs> Tim Tebow at Florida with Kenny next year. Cam Newton. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I, I'm so happy they're going to protect him. But I... In the second round, I saw a ton of people tweeting about how the Steelers need to get Darnell Washington. And I was like, that is the stupidest fucking thing I have ever heard. Why waste a second rounder when we already have a tight end that everyone kind of considers as like next up in the league? And then the third round came around and we traded back and he was still there. And I was like, this is the best thing we could ever do. He is he is 6'7", 260. He blocks like a tackle. He leaps like a gazelle. And the only reason his numbers weren't that impressive receiving at Georgia was because they simply did not need to use him as an offensive weapon. They had Brock Bowers, who is the greatest tight end prospect maybe ever. And then they were up 50 so quickly on every team they played. It just wasn't necessary. But they're going to they're gonna refine his receiving skills a little bit, and he is going to be a very legitimate threat. I was very anti-tight end. I just thought it was stupid for the Steelers to take a tight end when they already have like three who are serviceable at the very least. So I didn't know if taking a tight end made us that much better. I know how awesome Darnell Washington is. I was like, yeah, he had that one play where he like trucked two guys and hurtled somebody, but I don't know. I'm not, not feeling on it. And then finally I saw the video of him making like a 180 one-handed like Odell Beckham catch at the combine and was like, you know what? I think you used to Kenny Pickett thrown to this guy. Yeah. Yep. A few new shiny toys for Kenny. Uh, beefed up, beefed up the, the lines and some big pickups. But like we said, most people don't come here for our Steelers sticks. So uh, we'll leave it at that. How it benefits Kenny. Um, one other note I had here. And so who has watched college football the last two years and thought Zay Flowers was better than Jordan Addison? Like, this is the stuff that kills me with the draft prep and, like, the scouting. And, David, I feel like you might, like, you, you might argue against me here, but based on your reaction there. I don't know. I really do. I mean, I'm going to talk shit on him because he went to the Ravens. Um, right. And it would just be really funny if they finally decide we're going to get Lamar some weapons after we pay him and Flowers just sucks. I don't know what to make of him because he is like really good, but he's also just a slower, weaker Rondell Moore. They just drafted Hollywood Brown a second time. Yeah. Phil Dracovic made him what he is. There's I was going to say Dracovic made him a first rounder. I do think this is something that happens 
in the draft, uh, like one or two teams fall in love with the guy, like out of nowhere. Like Zay Flowers was like <laughs> maybe second round ceiling for a while. Then one or two teams talk themselves into it. They may have a, a good interview or a good meeting with them. And then the rest of the league is like, oh shit, are you missing something? Is this guy actually really good? And they all jump on the bandwagon because they don't want to feel stupid. And then before he, you know it, he's in the top 15. I mean, he, he was really productive in college. He I was. just thought he was like too yeah, small. Yeah, Frank Signetti and Phil Dracovic. <laughs> I'm going to keep telling myself that. Um, but no, I, I almost do want to root for him just because uh, when he came back his last year for BC, it was like very well known that a lot of really major programs were trying to drop a bag to get him to leave and he looked at his dog shit program his dog shit team and his dog shit coaching staff and said these are the guys i committed to these are the guys that have invested so heavily in making me who i am i'm staying here and i'm I sure mean, they comp- found a way to compensate him appropriately but i i don't there's really, a level of respect there. There's a level of respect there. Like I'm not anti-portal at all, but like I I do respect the guys that are like I'm we're going to stick with the horses that got us here. Eat with who you starve with. Mhm. I liked his uh interview in his press conference his answer they asked him about playing the AFC North and he was like I don't even know who's in the AFC North. Which brings us back <laughs> to the point that you and I us three have discovered more and more as we do this is that College athletes don't give a damn about sports a lot more than you would think. Like, I rephrase that. A lot more college athletes don't give a damn about, like, watching and following sports than you would think. Yeah, yeah. One recurring theme I've discovered from, you know, the increased access to student athletes we've been given by having this show is that college athletes do not value the things that college fans value. Very few of them probably knew a single word to Sweet Caroline before they came here or even so much as watched college. I've been shocked at how many guys we've talked to who didn't really follow college football until they started playing. And hey, hell, they, they care a lot now, but like right. the, they're, they're just they're guys who just happen to be really freak athletes. I mean, obviously, they're like football lifers and they grind tape and they they love football, but like they don't they didn't grow up consuming it the way that we did. So your example is perfect. Zay Flowers has played football his entire life, is playing at the highest level and does not know who is in the division of the team that drafted him, like the very famous division where everybody is massive rivals with everybody else. Yeah. That was crazy to me. And then, but I thought, I thought back, I was like, yeah, some of these guys really just love playing football and they love the opportunities. It's given exactly them, but like actually following and watching. Um, they aren't fans. That's not even like, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. That's like not even that, being that big of a football fan like i feel like i've known who was in every division since i was like eight but once again i've i'm an avid sports fan so there's a difference yeah. and we aren't saying this about like all college athletes but it's it's just more people than you would expect right yeah it's, it turns out some people have lives outside of watching sports unlike us this it, they're living life wrong losers <laughs> I do have one question before we stop talking about the draft. And, and this is, you know, just top of your head. 
you know, uh, thought game. Who's getting drafted next year? Who on this current pit team has the best shot to rise up the draft charts in your estimation? So I've seen a few people pose this question, and I feel like the over overarching answer for I don't know, that's not all the right way to use that word. Um, the main answer I've seen from Pitt fans <laughs> seems to be uh, Dayon Hayes is, is the best chance of being like a big time mm. prospect next year. Um, Dayon's kind of been buried on the depth chart for a few years, but I think everyone's seen like the flashes. I mean, he was a big time recruit out of high school, four star guy, highly recruited. So he has that pedigree. And then he's stepped up in some big games and he, he looks the part. He's a big physical athletic defensive end. Um, and he's a friend of the show, so that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Squid, what about you? I can see MJ Devonshire having a big year and getting picked. I think he has all the tools to be a good cornerback. He's got good size, great athlete, fast. He's got return skills. I think he could – I don't think he's on any mock drafts at this point. I know he has some years left, but – um I could see MJ Devonshire getting a, a real good look in the NFL draft. I like both of those. Um, as we were recording, I was I was frantically Googling in anticipation of asking this question, and I'm not seeing a ton of Panthers. I think this is a really unique squad in that like, there's a lot of people who are positioned that with a breakout year, they could get themselves in a spot to be to, to vault up the draft. But then there's like even more likelihood of guys that are like going to have big years and then come back for another year and like incrementally in- improve their position. Um, when I Googled it, I saw t- a top 250 list that had Gavin Bartholomew at 107 and Elliot Donald as the only other Panther on the list. But you guys are both right. Like Dayon has all the tools to to raise his stock. And I, I think he is circling, you know, this year to potentially come out of pit. He tweeted something to that effect uh, only a couple days ago. Um, and Marcus Williams, despite being undersized is a lockdown guy. He'll be another in, in the long lineage of, uh, you know, day two, day three pit corners and safeties that make an immediate impact. Devonshire, um, anyone from that offensive line could rocket up the draft charts. Um, Ryan Bear won't be eligible next year, but like in two years, he might just be like three years in college now. Ryan Bear is going to be a first round draft pick. I'm I'm calling my shot. He's going to be a first round draft pick. And then you know, it, Phil lights up the world. He could be drafted. Feel like, I do feel like be the next Bill Levis, just a guy with all the size tools, but uh, he will have more production. Right. I was going to say, fucking watch yourself on here. Yeah. Uh, That's what you guys fall in love with. If you have the size and a big arm, anything can happen. Former five star. Like, Mm -hmm. they love that, the pedigree. I feel like, I also feel like Phil has been one of those guys who they've been like, scouts have been begging to have a breakout so that they could put him as like one of the top quarterbacks on their list. Yes. He just hasn't been able to do it. So if he can put it together this year, I think, I think you're both right. I think a big year and, he he has those physical tools that teams are looking for. I have one more. Maybe Ben Sauls. Wow. Ooh. I saw there was at least one kicker drafted. Yeah, in the third round. Years. Yeah. I saw the one the Patriots took the guy. 
pretty early. And Wasn't there a couple of punters taken. So one of these teams is going to lose a playoff game because their kicker sucks and they'll take Ben Souls in like the fourth round. Wasn't the kicker that got taken in the third round that Jake, that was that Jake Moody kid from Michigan. Wasn't he the one that Jim Harbaugh very famously slept over his house on a visit? That wouldn't surprise me. You're the lifelong Michigan fan over there. Leave that one off. <laughs> Let the past be the past. Hurt my feelings. All right, we'll move past that. But uh, any final drop thoughts? Are we good here? We've talked about it way longer than I thought we would. You're muted again, David. <laughs> I think it's a sign that we are done talking about the draft for another 10, 11 months. Yeah. <laughs> David's uh, computer literally was just like, that's enough. That's enough draft talk. So we'll cut it here and we'll try to figure out these technical difficulties. Uh, and we'll, we'll be talking to a very special guest. One of our favorite guests we've had so far, Jorge Diaz Graham, one half of the twin sensations, the twin towers for the pit basketball team, the Spaniard himself. And that's coming up next right after these ads. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Please welcome on to the Loyal Sun Show, Pit Basketball Forward, and one half of the Twin Towers, the Twin Sensations. We've got Jorge Diaz Graham on the show today. Jorge, how you doing this morning? So I'm doing I'm doing good. Just woke up like a few minutes ago. <laughs> So you're, enjoying the, you're enjoying the rainy Pittsburgh day? Yeah, no, yesterday was nice. Yesterday was always a good day. That's why I'm like kind of late today. How, how'd you spend your 80-degree uh, day in Pittsburgh? We don't get too many of those. Um, I think it was this, um, it's called Fog Finals Friday. Oh. So, <laughs> uh, we just went out and have some fun. Love yeah, it. Basically, we were like the whole day outside. And it was nice. Love it. Love it. That's that's what it's all about. So uh yeah. so you you got here uh from the Canary Islands in Spain. You spent some time down at IMG Academy. How did they convince you to come up to Pittsburgh? Did they only bring you up when it was warm weather? <laughs> it's funny because uh when I came in my visit, uh, it was very warm. It was like around this time. So yeah. the day I was here, it was always like warm. 
But no, basically, um, I think they convinced me. Tio did his part, like by reaching out, like almost every day, like um, saying the stuff he said, like how he he trusted in us, like he wanted uh, me and Mario to play together, and and I think what uh, finally like convinced us was the, the visit here. Um, I don't know. I think Coach has talked about it, like how good that visit was. He's not lying. Like that might be the best visit I I had, and. I think that was the the like the key for the decision we made. What was it about that visit? Was it the connection with the coaches? Was it the campus? The it was. What was uh, it? it was everything a little bit. Like uh, the facilities were great. Like we had a really fun, like good time with coaches, all of them. Um, I remember I I really connected with Jake and with Blows and all these guys. Then. Um, we also were lucky because uh, we were like, you know how when you do a visit, you spend like you spend some time with some of the teammates, right? So uh, it was supposed to be Nate and Will who took us, but Nate was out of town. He was visiting someone, and then Will didn't want to, so uh, Fish got us, and that was even, so. The thing is, like, it was like uh, Saturday, and it was the same that. Like it was after final final Friday, <laughs> so nobody was alive. Like everyone was like at home, so <laughs> there was not much to do. So we just spent time with Fish, like talking at his crib, and I don't know. I just I just really like him a lot. Tour guide and, Fish, love to see it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was basically everything. Like also the city was nice. Um, you can what I like the most is like you can walk everywhere, even though you have those hills, but. Mostly, uh, you can walk everywhere. It's like by home. Like, I can walk everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you get here on campus, uh, spend a few months leading up to those first first games. But what was it? Did you feel like this team could be pretty good this year? Like, what what was the first time where you were like, oh, this this is a really good basketball team? I don't, I don't really know. Like, the thing is, like... Um, I never try to think like how good we're gonna be. Like I don't try to make like, any expectative. But for me I was surprised because coach was always saying like how special we were, like how good can we be and like I wanted to believe him because he's a pretty good coach and I think he know he knows what he talked about. So I was like I mean he's saying it, so it might be true. But then uh, like in practices I I felt like it was very competitive. Like, as coach said one time, he said, like, the difference with this team is, like, when you make a mistake, they're going to make you pay. Like, in practice, if you make a mistake, you're fucked. Like, they're going to yeah. – if you if you leave Blake a little bit alone, he's going to make it. And even same with Greg, same with Santos, everyone. Everyone can score. Everyone can – like, if you get – um, if you don't focus, like, you, you're fucked. So that's when I first like started realizing like how good we were, but it wasn't until we started like winning and and playing that I really like understood like how how good we were. Gotcha. Because it just felt it just felt good like when we played and uh, honestly like, we have like that uh, three games we didn't really play good. It was that span of three games we lost, but after that I I think against NC State, uh, at NC State. 
I really saw like how how good we were, and and since then like we went up. So yeah, that's true. I guess you really haven't seen much college basketball leading up to this year, so you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's a good team, what's a bad team until yeah, you get to it. I, you know, yeah, I I did watch some NCAA uh, before coming here, but it was most like March Madness. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know much about SEC. I only know like do like North Carolina, but yeah, basically what I watched was uh, March Madness, and like it's not the same when you watch it in TV that when you like actually live it. So yeah, it was like it was it was awesome like to be a part of a team like was competitive and fun. How excited were you for your first game? I was pretty excited. Like um, um, for me. Uh, like in Spain, we don't have like we have big stadiums, but usually like uh, I don't play there. You know, it's like the professional team play there. So when I once I got here in the BC and I saw the pit, I was like, wow, like this is really big. And and I knew like the first game that it wasn't packed, like but there was a lot of people still, and the Oakland Sioux of of obviously. So uh, yeah, the first game like when I saw the crowd, like when I was warming up. And I already see like people coming in. It was like two hours and a half before the game, and people was already there. I was like, damn, like they really, they really enjoy basketball here. So yeah, okay. I was I was really excited, honestly, and also like having play time and you know like just playing, it's just like a blessing. Yeah, that first game, Squid and I were there, and. Uh, you're, you're right. It wasn't a huge crowd, but we, we could tell there's something a little bit different about that team. But one particular moment in that game, uh, you guys gave the little finger wag. You actually oh, gave it yeah. twice. The, yeah. the second time around, yeah. it, it got a technical. Uh, what, yeah. what did Coach Cable say to you after you got teed up? He, I remember I was going to the locker room and he was like, don't do it again. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's my bad. But the funny story is um, it wasn't even my fault. I mean, it was my fault because I did it, but I didn't know the ref didn't want us to do it again. So the story behind it is, um, I think, I don't know if you explain it, but basically um, we had like a block, uh, both of us like in the same play, and we just did it like out of nowhere, like at the same time. So it was kind of, I was kind of hyped because like my brother oh, told me like, yeah. bro, like you would do it at the same time. That was tough. <laughs> I was like, damn. So... Um, we we were like this for like a lot of time. So the ref went to talk to my brother, and he was like, "That was that was fun, but don't do it again." But he only told my brother, so I didn't know, and my brother didn't tell me. Uh, it's uh, Guillermo's fault, huh? Yeah. So next play, I think I got another block, and it was also this guy was like kind of talking trash of um, like um, to me. So I was like, "I'm gonna do it." So I did it. I got checked. I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> And then my brother was like, bro, I told you not to do it. I was like, you didn't tell me shit, bro. <laughs> this is your fault. Yeah, but it was fun, though. It was definitely fun. You got the crowd going. Uh, it was the first time seeing you play. So we're like, we like these guys. They're getting blocks. <laughs> you got a little bit of a, an edge. We love to see it. Yeah. Now, did your did your first season go about how you thought it would go? Um, was Was college basketball about what you expected? What was the biggest transition, I guess, for you? Not at all. Nah, not at all. Like honestly, I didn't expect any of this like to come. Like how you, how it came. Like when I when I got I, when I got here, I was thinking I was like, hey, okay, this is gonna be like a transition season where 
we're gonna work like in our bodies, like get bigger, and just work in our game. And I wasn't expecting like playing time at all, but um, yeah, so I didn't have any expectations like of playing. Like I, I'm 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 okay with not playing. I still I'm I'm, ha- I'm having fun. So I when I started like playing, I was like, damn, like. Also, because we had a lot of like uh, injuries and people who wasn't playing, like Will was out, uh, John was out, um, then Cash didn't come, so like we had some like space in the roster. So I think that like make us um, like give us the chance to play, and and it was pretty exciting, honestly, like playing and actually like doing good and and you know like helping the team, the most important uh, was like I wasn't expecting at all. And yeah, not even in. I don't even talk about March Madness. Like that's another thing apart. That's like, what we're gonna get I, into I, next. We saw you helped the team throughout the season. You made it to March Madness. Uh, did you have any idea it was that big? I know you said you watched a little bit of it, but what was it like I being did. there, walking into yeah. the arena the first time? It's 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 quite different. Like I remember watching March Madness last year, and what I was like, damn, like it would be nice to be there, and there. Actually being there and playing, it was like damn. Like, you know, like a matter of one year, I went from watching the TV to be actually in the TV. So it was like pretty impressive. And like I know, I'm like March Madness is a pretty big like tournament. Like everybody knows about it. So there's a lot of hype. And I don't know, like around that time, like I got like a lot of DMs, like people supporting, and and just like. For me, honestly, it was like being with the team like for a week, like uh, having fun with the guys, uh, traveling a lot, like going to these uh, awesome stadiums, like the locker rooms with your name, March Madness, everywhere, like all the all the all the media, everything. I I enjoy everything of it. So it was pretty awesome. What was your favorite moment for March Madness? I think there's probably a leader in the clubhouse, but I, I have yeah. an idea. Yeah, I say in in the court, it was against Iowa State. That that play I did with my brother, yeah. I that was that was awesome. And I still like watch it sometimes. Like damn, like, I was gonna say, how many times have you watched it? You think? Like more than fifty times. <laughs> Same. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like that. I don't know. I was because when I did it, like it didn't look that good. But then when I see like again, it's like that pass and like how he finished that that dunk, and the reaction from the teammates too. I also like when I watch uh, clips, most of the times I'm just watching to see the reaction of other people. Yeah. And and yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Like it was, it was good time. Was that more exciting to you than Fish's bucket against Syracuse? Well, we're talking about March Madness, though. You're right. You're right. Talking yeah. March Madness, but uh, th- I'm just going back to Fish's bucket because I know you got everyone went nuts because you're talking about everyone's I, reaction. Everyone yeah. went nuts. Like, what? Yeah. You were what high stepping down the court? Yeah, I think um, that video was out. Like, I, I was like, I was like jumping for, <laughs> like, I was playing defense, jumping honestly. And I mean, you know, Fish, he's the guy. Like, everyone like wants him to do good, and. It was just like senior night, like uh, Syracuse. Uh, it was sell out, and it was just like um, finish last time to score in in the pit. 
And I remember we were all like nervous because um, he he knows he has to score. So he also gets nervous. So you want him to do good. So I remember like we all were trying to give him the ball. Like we all knew as soon as he stepped on the court, it was like, okay, it's fish time. Like I don't even want to look at the rim. I'm just passing into fish and let him cook. So I remember he he missed the first shot he took. Uh, I don't, wait, did he make a layup first? I don't know. I I think when he shot that three, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was gonna go in. Like I was ready to go nuts at the moment, but he I think he missed, and I saw the ball going up. I was like, I need to get this ball, <laughs> so I just jumped and I tipped it back to Blake, and he got it, and the rest is history. And like he made a layup, like, and also I was like near the rim, so the layup didn't go through like quick. It was like it bounced and then it got in. So I was like, no way it's going to go in. And once <laughs> it got in, I was like, oh, my God. I started, like, like not crying, like, shouting a lot. And I was just looking at him. He was like, yeah, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was just laughing. I was going to say, that's got to be one of the most hype moments at the Pete ever. Uh, the whole team on the court, off the court, were that was going nuts. The game was still going on, but it didn't matter. Yeah, I that was. At that point, I was like, okay, like, Syracuse, do whatever you want. Like, I don't even want to. I just want the game to be finished to go celebrate. And that's what we did. Like, when when the game was finished, I was like, okay, what are we doing? So I look at the bench, and I see everyone ready to run. I was like, oh, my God, they're coming. So I just they just started running. I turned myself. I went to fish, and we just, like, you know, hugging. And I don't know. It was, it was a very beautiful moment. Yeah, it really was. It was... It was just a perfect way to cap off the the home finale, and uh, we talked to Fish about it. And he, I mean, not not a better guy that could have happened to. So yeah, but so happy for him. Um, but yeah, so the season was full of amazing moments. We talked about the March Madness stuff. Talked about there you go, get the hydration. Love it. Uh, <laughs> we we talked about uh, everything that you went through this year. So this off season, what's the what's the main goal for you? As, as a player uh, to improve and just take that next step for next season? Yeah, I, so right now we're working really like hard on like um, the physical part. We're trying to get stronger and get bigger. And I think we're doing a pretty good job with Vince. Like he's, he has a plan for us. And also with uh, our nutrition girl, like she, she has a plan for us too. So we just like following it and, and just, you know, doing what they say, like working as hard as we can, like eating a lot. And we have a break now. And then once we come back in May, we're going to keep doing like um, working our physical stuff. And then also uh, right now we cannot practice with coaches because of NCAA rules. So we're not, I'm like I'm doing one-on-one stuff by, by myself like and with Nate. But right now we cannot practice with coaches. So I'm just like trying to keep like, my shooting up. But once we start again, I want to start working on my handles and my consistency on shooting and just in my game, you know. I want to step it up. Like, I I want to actually um, play the the three, like, more time and give, like, more space for the four to my brother. So, yeah, just working on that. I keep working on defense. But that's going to come with uh, the strength in legs. So yeah, basically handles and shooting. That's when I when I when I'm working. So what is your workout routine looking like nowadays, and what does the diet look like? Or what's a day? So 
uh, right now, putting the work in. How, how we do? So let's say we can practice with coaches. Yeah. So usually it's like um, uh, wake up. Like if I have class, I go to class. If not, I like breakfast. I go to lift. It's like hour and a half lift, like a pretty big lift. And then once you're done, um, I have like, maybe I work out with JC. And it's just like a handle, like one-on-one, like um, pull-ups and, you know, like guard guard stuff. So, and then, yeah, once you're done, like you're free to do whatever you want. Love it. Well, let's get you a lot of a lot of hamburgers from Stack, a lot of chicken wings. <laughs> I load up on there. But, yeah. but no, seriously, um, appreciate you coming on, Jorge. Appreciate everything you did for the team this season. But we're not quite done yet so we do have this segment we like to do with all the all the hoopers at the end it's called full court press basically we're going to ask you rapid fire questions you can answer them quick but if there's a little bit of a story to go with it you can you can give us more of a story there um but we're going to hit you quick and we'll we'll get you out of here so um full court press we are a little special version these first few questions we're going to ask you about who's better between you and guillermo he's not here to defend himself so you can just say yourself yeah, for each of these but, but we yeah. got different categories here so who's the better dancer me who wins in a dunk contest uh him yeah who, who's the better student um him but because he loves to do homework i'm more like i don't i don't really like to do homework so i'm more like always behind and he's the one like who always know what he's doing like he knows what he has to do so he's more like organized in that aspect, but he's not smarter though. He has has very great. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Who, who's the better soccer player? Uh, I, I give you a tie. Give you a tie. Yeah, it's a tie. Now, who who was the goalie? One, he, one, he, he was, was the goalie. goalie. Yeah, I was. He was better goalie than me. That's for sure. But I have more skill than him. So that's what I tie. Gotcha. And last one. Right now, today, who wins in a game of one on one? Me. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I always, I always beat him. So, and he knows that. So, me. All right. We have a few more coming at you. What is your hardest class? Um, it was um, stats. No, actually, uh, it was between stats and calculus. That's not too fun. Yeah. No, it's not. What's your favorite spot on campus? Favorite spot? Ooh. The pit. <laughs> the pit gets <laughs> rocking. Yeah. <laughs> favorite pl- favorite place to eat on campus? Ooh. I always go to Chipotle. But I really like Viva Los Tacos. Mm. Yeah, good tacos there. Right. What are your favorite activities outside of playing basketball? Oof. Yeah. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I used to play games a lot. I'm I'm getting back to it, but this year I didn't really play games. I just like hang out with my teammates and just watch Netflix, whatever. Like we didn't really have time to do much stuff. So just like hanging out with my teammates and like watching TV. Gotcha. Who is the hardest teammate to guard in practice? Mm. I feel it was John because he was too big for us. 
then once he got injured, I say it's hard because everyone like Blake is hard to guard because you have to know where he is every time. Nike is hard to guard because he's so explosive. Like you, you need to be ahead of him every time. Greg same, like you cannot miss him. Uh, Nelly same, like JV same, like everyone, even Fede, he's gonna. If like if you if you're not ready for him, he's gonna yeah, dunk on you. Nate's gonna dunk on you. My brother is gonna do whatever he wants. Like I think everyone was mm, hard to guard, but I think the hardest it might be just Blake. Because it like it's it's like you don't have to know where he is every time. I mean if you give him space and I make it. Yeah, you and then if you like the half court. And, yeah, and if you recover, he's gonna just go through you and score on you. So I said Blake. Gotcha. And also because I had to guard him because we played the four, so I was in the other team, so I always had to guard him. So he's the, the guy I most guarded. So, right. Yeah. Last one. Do you have a favorite Coach To quote? Yeah, I don't think I can say this right now. <laughs> I don't know what game it was, but it was like a pregame, and he was giving like he always gives like a speed. And this time he was talking about like. Uh, the praying hands, like the story behind it. And, you know, Tio is like a very like energy guy. So he gets into it and he was just doing the pregame speak. Like he was getting emotional, like, and there was this moment. He was just saying this story and it was this part, like he was like, my hands, my hands. It was like almost like so super rare, like screaming. And it was just so fun, like, and I remember when he when he when he stopped speaking, like he was start laughing. <laughs> but he get he gets you going. Like his speeches are like very emotional. So yeah. Oh, we believe it. We love seeing To get hype on the bench too, just like when the other oh, players. Yeah. But he's like that every single day. So yeah, nonstop energy. Wow. Yeah. Love it, man. Lo- love that To uh, helped get you guys up here, and we're we're glad you're Pitt Panthers, but. No, nah, man, it was a super fun season, super fun following you, and I'm looking forward to next year and the next couple of years you guys are here. But, uh, yeah, man, we, we really appreciate this, and hail to Pitt. How's it feel? Thank you so much. You guys Thanks. are funny. <laughs> oh, right You're back funny. at you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime. All right, that's, that's Thank you again to Jorge Diaz-Graham for joining us on the show. Uh, he's hilarious. I'm sure everyone enjoyed that. And can't wait to see what the what the Spaniards have in store for us next year. Tell them to put on about 20 pounds and come back next year ready to dominate the ACC. Uh, but before we go tonight, we're going to go through some final thoughts. So, Squid, what do you have for us this week? Being a Colorado fan would be so stressful. I imagine the high of being completely irrelevant than hiring Deion Sanders and him bringing along some five-star recruits was awesome. But now it looks like a complete shit show. And I guess you got to trust the process, but that's going to be so entertaining from afar. And I'm sure being a Colorado fan will be, you want to rip your hair out just because of how stupid, crazy and off the wall that program is going to be with Deion Sanders at the helm. I feel like they have to just be happy that they're relevant again, but there also has to be a, a port, a part of that fan base is like, this is just more, more BS than 
then it's really worse. Yeah, it could crash and burn horribly. I think that is becoming. <laughs> I think at first everyone's like, "Oh, at the very least, we'll get good players." And if you have good players, you'll be better than they were. They won't be going three and nine with uh, these better recruits, better coaches. Uh, now I think it's becoming apparent that it could just completely fall apart, and he could be out in a few years. I could yeah, be very I- wrong. They could be a top 10 team, but I doubt it. It is <laughs> not this year. I don't know. I think, I mean, he straight up told everyone like you guys sucked last year, leave the program. So I think everyone kind of expected this mass exodus, but one, I don't think anyone was expecting the number of high level transfers that came to the program three months ago to then bolt after the spring to show up, see what Dion was about and say, Oh hell nah. Um, and I also don't think anyone was, was expecting him to apparently, you know, and this is the word of the guys that are transferring. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, he was just kind of a dick to everybody, like refused to learn anybody's names or even like address them as humans and, and just show them the door, never spoke to them, nothing. So I don't know. He, his coaching style almost reminds me of like Coach Boone from Remember the Titans, except Coach Boone, he may have been a mean old cuss, but he was the same mean old cuss to every player on that team. Dion's a mean old cuss to everybody except for his son, who gets to walk in day one and is already the unquestioned starter and no other quarterback in their right mind should even consider filling out the rest of that room because they will not be given a chance. I think a big thing that's being overlooked is a building a culture. You can't do that in one season with getting a bunch of shiny new recruits. You see with Pitt, for example, a lot of high-quality character guys in the program. Uh, that solves a lot of problems. You can be good and have terrible character guys, and it won't go well. You can be a little bit worse. But everyone's bought in. Everyone's are rooting for the Pitt Panthers' overall success over their own, and that can solve a lot of your problems. Uh, maybe Dion, and I think it happens in college football. Ever you think you can get a bunch of good players, slap them in the same uniform, and win a bunch of games? That doesn't happen. That's not what Nick Saban did. He eventually got to that point because there's a standard, but he didn't just show up and be like, "Yeah, all the good players come here. We're gonna win a million games." Take some time. Might be rushing the process. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I, I think there is a piece of it. It's like you, you, that that team and that program was has been so terrible. It's like just clean house. Um, but yeah, I, I think it could be rough, rough sledding for them this year. But I don't know. He, <laughs> I know it's FCS and it's a different ball game. And you know, if you're able to recruit four star level players to your FCS school, things are gonna go, probably go well for you. But Jackson State was really good under Dion, so we'll see if he can figure it out at the at this step up at this higher level. Um, but yeah, this first year could be rough for them. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. He, he's basically firing these kids, even though they're not not employees; they're student athletes. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes out in Boulder. David, what, what's your final thought for the week? Uh, so my final thought is that uh, storming the field. Sorry. My final thought is that field storming's days are numbered. 
so this was a story that kind of flew under the radar this past week. Um, but the SEC is apparently considering like really upping the penalties for field storming um, after big upsets or huge rivalry wins. Um, and it was already illegal and schools would have to pay like 50 minimum 50, but I think a couple hundred thousand dollars if their students and, and their home crowd storm the field. Um, but now I think they might consider taking like away home games in future seasons and like really putting the screws to these guys. And I hate that because it's fun. You're being fun police. Let the kids have fun. The schools were more than happy to eat like a $200,000 fine because that is such a memorable experience for the students that makes them feel so much closer to their school. It's how many prospective students just sign their names on the dotted line when they visit the school that make, weekend. Yeah, it it definitely a, a good field storm and a, after a big upset definitely pays for itself. Fine, notwithstanding or counting the fine rather. Um, so and and it's just fun, but there's a part of me that's also like, how many times last year? Did we see a video of like a student pushing a player on an opposing team or much more likely a salty losing player just decking a student running in their way? And I don't think it's because that is happening more frequently. I think it's because now every single one of these kids that storms the field has their Snapchat up and is reporting it. So we're bound to see those incidents more, which means there's going to be lawsuits. There's increased liability. So uh, I do think that the more this happens and the more that there are cameras involved, the more likely it is, there's going to be like a real incident, um, like a, like a fight or something more serious, but like, let us have the things that are fun. Everyone just be cool. There, there, we If we could just figure out a way to get losing players off the field a little bit more effectively in this situation, I don't understand why we can't allow the kids to have fun. Contained field storms, maybe? Is, this, is that what you're... Uh... I don't even know what I'm suggesting, to be honest. I just want to be able to keep this very sacred institution alive in college sports. Yeah. I, I'm same team. It's, like, super fun, and it's cool, but... It's also like extremely dangerous and irresponsible. But so is a lot of things associated with college football. Yeah. Like like the three hundred pound kids going head to head and hitting each other with their helmets every single play. But uh, Yeah, do, so don't clutch your pearls on some drunk kids running on the field when they just spent three hours watching their peers actively destroy their own brains. You're right. So we'll see how it plays out, but I it kind of makes sense, but also like, let's have fun. Yeah. Um, my final thought, I got one more and it's Kenny Pickett related. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. And actually when you were touching on the, the guys, the Steelers got in the draft and saying like Kenny's stock was boosted a bit this weekend. I, I thought this is what you were referring to, but I went to the Luke Combs concert on Saturday night. And if you haven't seen the video by now, you're living under a rock or you just don't, scroll twitter every minute of the day like like we do but kenny came out on the stage with luke combs and shotgunned the beer with him in front of a sold out heinz field um spiked the beer like 
the whole whole nine yards and the legend of Kenny just continues to grow. But I, I don't know what else can like propel you and catapult you to like the the mayor of Pittsburgh, the the de facto mayor of Pittsburgh, more than shotgunning a beer in front of a sold out stadium where you play your home games. I loved it so much. I don't even like country music, but I will listen to Luke Combs if Kenny Pickett endorses him. I'm so excited about this because in college, when you were a college athlete, at least pre-NIL, you weren't really like able to show your personality because coaches tried to control that shit. And he let it out a little bit with like the the cold ones and and the shotgun celebration. And he was on PMT. Um, but I never felt like he really got to like show his personality and really become the mayor of Pittsburgh. And then when you're a rookie in the NFL, it's it's better to kind of keep your head down and grind uh, and prove yourself before you do all the endorsements and everything. But now this year, we're going to get 300 yards and three touchdowns a game. Kenny Pickett, we're, we're going to get the hair flips back, endorsements, shotgunning beers on stage with with musicians. I, I want him. I want him to get a stylist. I want him to start dressing like Joe Burrow and I want him in every other advertisement on my TV. I do think Pickett's a little like Burrow goes with like the flashy, like, Oh, he's wearing Cartier glasses and uh, a pinstripe suit or like a leopard print suit to the games. I feel like Kenny's personality is just like lunch pail, like Pittsburgh guy. Like he just needs to start showing up in like, like hard hat and overalls to, to games. Yeah, like, like a high res vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'm not a you know, in any capacity calling Joe Burrow like a like a flat I mean he he grew up in Athens, Ohio. Yeah, he's not really a pretty boy by any yeah. means. Uh but I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's there's some potential there for Kenny to like build his brand a little bit, become yeah. more of a face of the league. But also I I also feel like Kenny's like not interested in that, which which is he exactly wants to win football games. It's exactly what you want from your franchise quarterback. It is and, pretty awesome. I think this translates pretty well uh, to the progression of the thoughts I had. Whenever I first saw this video, it was like somebody's like phone footage from the upper deck. And I'm like, wow, that is awesome. Pickett's the man. And then I quickly thought, oh, no, is the media going to start? doing the thing where they blow little stupid things out of proportion and say that he's not mature enough to be a starting quarterback or like Tom Brady would never do this uh, because you do see little stupid things. I know Colin Coward was a big guy. that's like, Oh, I don't want a quarterback that wears his hat backwards. It's a lot of stupid things. The fact that the most like shocking or divisive thing that Kenny Pickett's ever done is shotgun a beer at a country concert. Shows that his head's on pretty straight. I didn't even see that many people bitching. I saw significantly more people bitching about the thought that other people could bitch. I was going to um, say, it turned into one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's worried. Like, some people, I, I saw a couple people make the point that, like, I don't know, our last franchise quarterback, like, way overdid it in the early part of his career. And I'm I'm going to ask you to think about Ben Roethlisberger's situation and think about Kenny Pickett's situation and then go take like a really long shower and log off for a little bit. Yeah. Everyone pump the brakes. Kenny's fine. He's just a just a guy being a dude. Went to a, went to a country concert with his fiance. 
and his Princeton grad fiance. Yeah. So his head's on all right. He's doing all right. But yeah, it was it was awesome. It was probably the loudest, definitely the loudest I cheered at the entire concert. I thought it was hallucinating. I was like, why? Is... <laughs> I was like, wait. And I was like, oh, this actually does make sense. He's the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the country star brought him out. So you thought it was one of your Kenny dreams. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, am I actually at the concert or? Well, actually, for for like a half second, I thought it was Morgan Wallen because they look <laughs> like oddly similar, and I could only see him on the jumbotron. And I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Country concert." I'm like, "Oh no, that's Kenny. That's way better." Um, so yeah, great weekend for Pittsburgh football all around, and just capped off. How how else would it be capped off other than Kenny shotgun and a beer on on stage in front of eighty thousand people? If it was an icy light as opposed to a Miller, fair enough. That probably would have done it, but well, I think that wraps it up. I think we all want to get to bed, uh, get this episode out for you, but anything, anything else? We good? Great weekend for Pittsburgh football, and I am now turned up to a 10 in terms of excitement for this upcoming fall. I love it. Well, as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.